You're listening to another episode of the Young Investors Podcast, so sit back and relax as myself, Brandon, and my buddy Hamish discuss the latest in the world of finance and stock market investing. Now, a quick reminder before we get into the podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be taken on as personal financial advice. If you're ever unsure about your finances or investing and you need some help, make sure you reach out to a qualified financial advisor. But with all that said, let's get into another episode of the Young Investors Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Pot Plants Australia, your number one <laughs> pot plant podcast. Indoor plants, we got you covered. Yeah. Um, I'm joined as always by Hamish Hotter, the pot plant our, expert, uh, our indoor plant specialist. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to talk about indoor plants. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had a little bit of knowledge on plants so that I could bullshit my way through a cool <laughs> intro here, but. I know absolutely nothing about plants. I have a couple of plants outside. I haven't watered them in months. <laughs> so that's what the that's what rains for. It, that's that's right, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. I just put them outside and the you know, you know, let the rain let the rain and sun deal <laughs> with it. You know, <laughs> they're dead. You're like, what the hell's going on? You know? Yeah. Oh dear. That's why you get these bad boys, eh? No water required. Was it a fake? Hundred percent plastic. Yeah, I've got yeah, I've got one of the, I've got one indoor plant and it's plastic, and it's great. Yeah, it's exactly uh, what I need. But if I didn't tell you guys, you wouldn't have known that that was plastic, eh? No, it looks, it looks good on camera. You can't tell. You can get really good fakes now. It's um, mm. it's pretty good, especially for props. Like you don't want to have to be trimming, like something that's a prop in a back in the backdrop of a video or something. So no. yeah, that's no. good. Yeah, um, I was in. It was in a bit of shambles this morning because I, I wanted to change yeah, this. Um, I wanted to change this setup a little bit to give a bit of a backdrop for the for the podcast, uh, rather than just a plain white wall. And I had everything. I got up really early this morning. I brought my big light in here, so there's better lighting in here. It should look better. Um, I had it all set up. It was all good to go. And then I said, Brandon, let's go. Let's do the podcast. And then everything just broke. <laughs> <laughs> you had like some warp effect that you couldn't shake on your on your audio. You're like 10 times too deep. And yeah. then your AirPods broke or something. Oh, what a shambles yeah. that was. Yeah. And I, I didn't tell you this, but also I forgot my password to Skype. So I, I had to change my password um, in between. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Uh, it's just your world fell apart. Yeah. Oh, well, we're here now. That's okay. Yeah, well, it was, it's been falling apart for both of us because uh, this morning I, I got in ready to do the podcast and then the power went out to our building. So, like, jeez. Yeah, we couldn't even record. I was thinking about could I get it done by just connecting to my laptop, but mm. laptop only had like 28% charge or something and right. it, it is now it, it, it is now dead. So <laughs> yeah, I'm that, glad we didn't start yeah, that. Yeah, that. that wouldn't have gone down yeah, well. <laughs> no, wouldn't. Um, but yeah, anyway, so today, what are we talking about today? Uh, we'll talk about uh, Apple potentially uh, building a uh, headset. Ooh. Which would be interesting. Uh, mortgage applications, very interesting. What happens in the mortgage market, I guess, um, mm. when uh, when the Fed starts chopping and changing things. Uh, you have a story on Revlon. Revlon. Yeah, Revlon. Chapter yeah, 11. The supplier of all your, all your makeup. Exactly, exactly. All the makeup that we put on uh, yep. before we do our YouTube videos. It's a lot. Official official makeup partner of the Young Investors Podcast. Exactly. Well, it was. And maybe then, no, no longer. Yeah, it, yeah. it was. And now they're, uh, now they're bankrupt. So we're going to gonna have to look elsewhere. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about uh, the story behind uh, Revlon. And, and uh, really interesting, actually, about how it's now a meme stock. So um, Oh, okay. 
file for bankruptcy, become a meme stock. That's the new trajectory of, of great business success. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go through that for sure. All right, lots to talk about. Let's, let's get into it. Today's episode is sponsored by ShareSite, which is an application you can use to track performance of your stock portfolio. So you can bring in all of your trades either automatically by connecting your brokers uh, or you can download your trades from using Excel and, and add them in or add them in manually. And it will track all of the gains and losses in your portfolio. So capital gains, dividends. Uh, if you have dividend reinvestment plans, it will do those calculations for you. Uh, currency gains, if you're buying shares internationally or you hold foreign currencies. And then you can also use it for when it comes to tax time. So ShareSite generates up to 12 different reports that can be used at tax time to work out things uh, or can be used to track the performance of your portfolio as well as use the tax time to track things such as capital gains, dividend income and more. At the moment, you can try ShareSite for free by heading over to ShareSite.com forward slash Young Investors. That's site spelled S-I-G-H-T, ShareSite.com forward slash Young Investors. Use that link, sign up to a free plan, track up to 10 holdings for as long as you want. Uh, or you can also use that link to get four months off a yearly subscription uh, if you want to sign up to a premium plan for more features. All right. Uh, what would you like to talk about, Let's Hamish? Take us through this uh, Apple this uh, Apple news or, or oh yeah this was kind of surprising uh, I, I don't really know too much about this I just saw it pop up on CNBC and it kind of uh, took me by surprise hmm. Tim Cook hints that Apple is building a headset like a AR VR headset right which I think is very interesting I'll, I'll talk about I'll hold my thoughts until the end but I'll run through the article it says Cook was asked in a recent interview with China Daily USA what he thinks the key factors are for augmented reality or AR to succeed in the consumer market quote I am incredibly excited about AR, as you might know, and the critical thing to any technology, including AR, is putting humanity at the centre of it. That's such a classic Tim Cook thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> such a corporate line. Like, it is such a corporate there's, there's line. Nothing, yeah. There's nothing human about that phrase at all. <laughs> no, nothing. Yeah. No, no. Um, that's just like a, a PR uh, department. Say, say this, Tim. Yeah. Remember, humans, connectivity togetherness synergies <laughs> synergy <laughs> uh, okay what else did he say that's not that's not the uh, groundbreaking quote that he said he then described apple's work in the space so far which has been focused on ar apps on the iphone and ipad before adding quote but i think we're still in the very early innings of how this technology technology will evolve. I couldn't be more excited about the opportunities we've seen in this space and sort of and sort of stay tuned and you'll see what we have to offer. Wow. Okay. So that's a yeah, yeah, that's a kind of a big indication that maybe not in the too distant future they'll have, have something to to show us. So Yeah. Um so that that's that's like all it was. That was the quote yeah, which okay. everybody's like losing their minds over like, "Oh my god, they're going to be making a, a headset. This is going to be amazing." Uh, so it says here this is one of the clearest examples yet of Cook acknowledging that Apple has something bigger in the works. While the current apps can be useful for things such as mapping a room or seeing if a new piece of furniture might fit, it seems more likely that Apple has been building the library and tools for developers to build apps for something like a headset. Yeah. A, a lot of the AR apps, they're cool, but you can tell that the the fact that you use them with a phone and you hold the phone up to kind of see furniture where it would sit in a room, the phone is the the limiting factor of the technology mm. there. We, if you have a headset or glasses, ideally, I guess, something that's not intrusive that you can wear, maybe you just wear them all the time um, to be able to do a bunch of AR features. Maybe you do workouts where 
the instructor just kind of appears in front of you or you've seen the classic meta um, uh, video where he's uh, what is he doing? He's like he's sparring or doing fencing with a with an with an AR kind of trainer, yeah, playing cards, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Or like playing chess. That's mm. that's where I think it will get really really interesting. So I'm I'm super excited. This is a technology that I'm super. I've spoken about this before. How you know using maps as well when you're out and about, and the maps could yeah. just be on your glasses, and you you could look at a you could look at a store, and maybe it gives you the rating of the store yep. immediately, uh, like four out of five stars or whatever. Look at a restaurant gives you the menu. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's a lot of use cases I think that uh, that mm. are to come. So that's really exciting. Yeah, I think there. Yeah, there. Are, people think it's so gimmicky, and at the mo- it's because at the moment it is a gimmick. Like it's not really. It's like video games, cool, but it's not really really useful well it is useful in some applications like architects use it quite extensively already um because they you know render these 3d models they'll put the head they'll put the glasses on as a team and they'll walk through there and they'll show off bits and bobs we think this is what the atrium will look blah 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 that sort of stuff um but yeah it's it's yet to really hit um hit a wide uh, usefulness with everybody. But Mm. I I think that it's definitely to come, like for all those reasons that you just noted and even just what I was talking to Divya about, how you put on your glasses and if you need to go somewhere, it'll just overlay. It knows where you are. It'll just overlay what directions you need to take in in your field of view. Um, which would be pretty cool. Mm. Uh, okay, what else did this say? Bloomberg said that in May, uh, the Apple recently showed its ARVI headset to the Apple board and that the company plans to announce it as early uh, as the end of this year, although wow. it could slip into next year. The same report said Apple plans to sell the headset in 2023. Right, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, honestly... I got a couple of thoughts just more generally about why Apple, like Apple actually going ahead and doing this. I, I think that honestly, um, I, I back them in. I, I want them to do it because I think that if they do this, this will be Apple's first truly innovative product in a long time. I don't think, mm. I think the era of, of Apple being an innovator has unfortunately kind of fallen away. They kind of, they, like Steve Jobs, yeah, he was an innovator. Yeah. And under Tim Cook's leadership, he kind of just like, he, he copies things. Yeah. He likes to see what's they, out there and then he copies it. Yeah, they've, they've definitely lent heavily on keeping the iPhone very, very similar and mm. pushing a lot of services onto their already massive iPhone base. That's kind of been, what, the last decade really, or especially the last five years, they've really pushed hard on on services. Yeah, they haven't really come out with anything particularly groundbreaking. I mean, the watch was, what, maybe five to seven mm. years ago or something like that, maybe a bit longer. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing crazy. They just discontinued the iPod as well, I think, right? Uh, uh, yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rip in peace, iPod. Yeah. Rip. Don't you remember the days where you used to listen to your iPod on the school bus? Ah, oh, yeah, those were the days. I, Hamish is like, I never had an iPod. Yeah, yeah. An iPod. <laughs> my parents never bought me one. Yeah, yeah, I- yeah. iPod. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Yeah, my my iPod shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had an iPad shuffle. Your iPod shuffle. I had one of those little one uh, of the little square ones. Yeah, the, the tiny little the little one. square one with yeah, no screen. No on screen. It. No, they were great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, rip in peace, iPod. Anyway, back to the back to the topic at hand. Um, obviously, uh, if they were to do this, put some in direct competition with Meta. Uh, I do think it would be good for 
the industry because it would obviously push AR and VR way more mainstream. Just the fact that Apple has a product, it would just push it immediately mainstream because just the sheer volume, the sheer amount of people that just buy Apple products. Um, so that would be interesting and it would certainly yeah. push for a lot more development. Uh, so we would get to the end, that, that kind of more mature technology sooner. Um, but as I said before, it does kind of fly in the face of Apple's usual game plan, uh, which is not ever to really be the first in a space. Um, they're more like they'll be second or third, but then they'll come in and trump everybody with like a really good product after learning from what the first movers got wrong. Mm. And you could argue that maybe they're not the first mover because of meta. Um, but I'd actually, I'd argue that there's, there's not yet been a mainstream AR or VR no. product yet. I mean, no. Quest mm. 2 would be the closest thing to it. And yes, yeah. it sells well, but I still don't call that a mainstream AR slash VR product. Yeah. I don't Main- think we've seen yeah. anything mainstream. Ma- mainstream is in like a household item, right? Household item yeah. applicable to everyone because that's what Apple makes. They make products that they, they're targeting just everybody. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not I- like this small subset of people. Yeah. I think an AR hardware device has a much better chance than a VR device of going mainstream first just because yeah. I think that there are more general applications for it. Um, but VR, I yep. think, has the chance as well if it can get really efficient for people using it for work at home and that sort of thing. Yep. But um, definitely if they could get a really good AR glass where people are just wearing it all the time at yep. work, on the way to work, at home. Um, yeah, that could be that could be really interesting. I think we'll definitely see mm-hmm. that um, at some point soon. Because, yeah, I think, well, we've got... So, so Facebook's got or Meta's got their... It's not really an AR glass yet. It's just got a camera in it, the the Ray-Bans glasses. Yeah. It's got a camera and I think it yeah. connects to social, but it's not actually producing. It doesn't have a screen that displays anything. I don't anything. think so, no. So, I, w- yeah. I have to check, but I don't think so. Yeah, so I wonder, I guess we'll, we'll have to see over the next year. Hopefully Meta comes out with something. But yeah, they've been, mm. they've been pretty quiet, um, at least publicly on, on what they're working on. Um, Mm. So yeah. Anyway, that's all I had to say for for Apple. I hope they do it. I hope they do it because I'm excited for what AR and VR can present. Yeah. Because good VR experiences are apparently I've never actually tried one myself. Really? From all reports, yeah. Good quality VR experiences mm. are amazing. Yeah, I've got a HTC Vive. I haven't set it oh, up um, in the in this house yet, but uh, I probably need a better computer for it now to play any of the kind of new right. games on it now. But um, yeah. it, it's one of those ones that you plug into a computer. It's not like the Quest where it's just kind of standalone. But yeah, a right. good a good VR experience can be incredible. So. Um, mm. It's a space I'm very excited for. It's also a space that's very expensive to to, to follow yeah. well. I mean, if you want to do VR really well, you need a really beefy PC, uh, and probably and the glasses aren't cheap either. No, I, I think yeah, they're probably a good set is like eight, six to eight hundred dollars. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think I think the Meta Quest now is quite good, but um, yeah, it's still a, a fair way off. Kind of the the best technology that you can get, but mm. very interesting stuff. Can you talk to me about this uh, this new meme stock that uh, I'm going to dump my life savings in? Yeah, so this section's called um, Stocks to Buy. Um, it's a new section where... <laughs> <laughs> where uh... You'll get us in trouble, Hamish. 
Sorry. Someone's going to be like, I dumped 50K into this stock and now I'm bankrupted. Oh. Yeah. Young Investors Podcast made me do it. Yeah. No, uh, definitely not a stock to buy. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, Revlon, big uh, cosmetics giant, founded 90 years ago. So this is a massive very, very old company. It's been around for a very long time. Uh, this week filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They uh, raised the white flag, reached out for help. Hey. They're done. Cooked. Yeah. Bye-bye. They're done. Uh, well, not quite done yet. Uh, Ooh, as, as last we'll, legs. As we'll, as we'll talk about. But, um, it's switching. <laughs> it's pivoting. They're buying a gold mine <laughs> now. They're following in the footsteps of, uh, of uh, AMC. Or, or was it GameStop? No. no, they're not. But um. oh, okay, God, <laughs> you had me going for a second. There. I was like, they are not. No, surely not. Um, that might be the move, though. Who knows? I mean, it could, maybe could be. No, but uh, so founded ninety years ago, um, they grew, of course, to be a massive global cosmetics company, very mm. well known household brand. Um, and then, essentially, the story with them is they failed to adapt to changing consumer preferences in the nineties. So the nineties is really where their business actually started to decline quite a long time ago. Right. Um, article I was reading said that uh, there was a shift in demand away from red lipstick, which is something they did very, very well, to more muted tones being popular um, for just everyday use. And as a result, right. they lost a lot of market share to rivals like Procter & Gamble. And then the story over the last decade has been losing market share to newcomers like Kylie Jenner, so Jenner uh, Cos- uh, Kylie Cosmetics, uh, and just a bunch of other social media influencers who have taken, they've bas- basically fragmented this market into tiny, tiny pieces. Um, right. and, and that's really the story with social media in a lot of aspects, right? Uh, it's happening in advertising as well, where you have this huge fragmentation of smaller, you, you have large companies like Google and Facebook, but you also have a lot of smaller independent creators pulling revenue out of uh, out of the broader market and, and a similar thing is happening in the cosmetics market. Um, so yeah. revenue, I, I just took a look at, you know, how the business had, had trended over time and what went wrong. Uh, revenue was pretty flat for most of the 2000s. So they were kind of just humming along at about $1.3, $1.5 billion in revenue per year. Then they actually had quite a steep increase from uh, 2012 to 2017. They grew from uh, 1.3 billion to 2.7. So they actually almost uh, uh, more than doubled their uh, their business quite quickly over that period. Uh, and then COVID hit uh, and lipstick and, and other cosmetic sales <laughs> dropped off a cliff, um, right. which, which makes perfect sense. And uh, since then, they're back to about 2 billion uh, in profit was, uh, was last year, um, which is still a lot of money, right? So they're still doing, you know, producing a lot of revenue. Uh, but throughout this entire period, they were barely scraping a profit. So the business was okay. not managed very well or wasn't at the scale that it needed to be at to, uh, to, to be efficient enough to be consistently profitable. Uh, and they also had a lot of long-term debt, which is uh, generally debt's a, an element that's involved in bankruptcies. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> just generally speaking. Normally, the trend I have seen yeah. is that bankruptcy... It is more common when 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 companies are unable to pay off their debts. <laughs> I don't know. It could be one of those, you know, correlation does not equal causation be, yeah. things. <laughs> <laughs> What's that Peter Lynch quote that was like, uh, it's very hard for a business with no debt to go bankrupt? And he, he, yeah, he, he went on and said, not impossible, but very hard. Yeah, so some companies yeah, try that, pretty hard. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, some companies something try. Like that. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, you, of course, most of the time there's a, there's a significant element of, of debt involved in bankruptcy. Their debt reached uh, last year uh, $3.2 billion. Uh, and ultimately this week, they 
they ran out of money. Uh, right. So the the company gave a statement as to what specifically drove the because they they operated with barely any profitability and quite a lot of debt for a long time. So they offered a bit of an explanation as to what specifically happened in the last couple of months um, that that drove them to run out of actual cash. Uh, Essentially, they said they blamed the supply chain disruptions. They said that vendors typically offer them 75 days for payment for, for ordering supplies. But recently with the supply chain issues and inflation, they've been demanding cash for new orders. So the shift in being able to pay 70 days after getting the product uh, to having to pay before ordering the products uh, essentially meant that they could no longer um, order in the bulk that they were previously. And that Mm. resulted in even worse profitability and ultimately running out of money. So right. There's a, that's kind of the situation. Uh, the article also spoke about how they actually almost went bankrupt in 2020. So after the pandemic sales dropped or during the pandemic sales dropped 21% and uh, they ran out of money in 2020, but they were able to persuade bondholders to extend the maturity on the debt. So essentially they, they ended up just delaying the inevitable Um so they, they, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was, it seemed keep like pushing it. Yeah. It seemed like it was, it was, uh, a long time coming anyway, but, mm. um, but yeah, the, the, the stock is down 99% from 1998. So hopefully, wow. hopefully no one here uh, bought the stock in 1998. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This stock's so awesome. This company. Oh, I love their red lipstick. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they only make red lipstick and never change. <laughs> It's red lipstick's coming back. Yeah. You know, it probably will. Like, just their luck. It'll probably be like next year, red lipstick will be like the thing. Well, I don't know beauty trends or anything like that. Well, well the thing is, I can't imagine that's something that's difficult to change. I mean, you're if, if you're making lipstick, yeah. can't you adapt the tone? Can you just uh, can you put less red pigment in that one? Thanks. Done. <laughs> Yeah, like it should be that easy. Like, how do you fail to adapt? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's not like the industry shifted completely. Like, it's not like people stopped buying lipstick completely. It's not like the indus- lipstick became like shampoo or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know what really. I don't, I don't know. I guess they just yeah, they just know. they just know. their brand. I guess devolved over time, um, and mm. it is what it is. Uh, yeah, Who but knows? but it's not over. It is not over. Okay, ah, the business. The plot thickens. The business has uh, has has had what every business hopes happens to them, which is they are now a meme stock. So, um, oh, despite yes. dropping ninety nine percent over the past two decades, being in bankruptcy, having no very negative equity, very little chance that shareholders will get anything out of the company after they sell all of the assets. The stock was up six hundred and fifty percent this week. Wow! Um, as uh, Wall Street bets investors. Uh, piled into it. I don't know if it was actually Wall Street bets, but uh, <laughs> there, there was actually some posts on Reddit about uh, potentially this replicating a Hertz trade, which- uh, Yeah, you remember us talking about that? That's what I was going to say. They've done a Hertz. So yeah, they're, they're trying to pull another Hertz, which uh, Hertz, for those who don't know, filed for bankruptcy last year. And uh, again, it was picked up as this meme stock. The stock surged 10 times and then management was able to issue stock and somehow sell stock at an overprice, at an overvalued price to some of these investors. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they got enough money to survive. And Hertz 
So they didn't go bust in the end. No, they came out of bankruptcy. They got enough money from the capital raise, which is complete stupidity because first there has to be people speculating on the stock, even though it doesn't have enough money to survive. And then there's got to be even more speculators willing to buy the shares when the management sells them to them. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, management is clearly saying- we need the money. Like, this is our last-ditch attempt yeah. to avoid bankruptcy. Do you want to buy our stock? <laughs> and then people have to go, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, eat, it, I'll eat it up, you know? Yeah. Give me more. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, so that's what's... that's they, Revlon hasn't actually issued any shares yet, but it's up 650%. So, uh, it, it's, it's come... So, it's coming. It's, it's come back quite significantly. And I guess we'll see. We'll see if Revlon tries to issue stock. Um that's um yeah it's just it's a very funny aspect of of the markets that shouldn't really I've exist just, but it's also not Hamish re, re, uh, breaking news CNBC I've just got a Revlon seeking to raise 1 billion dollars <laughs> in new stock oh oh okay no right. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny though oh boy <clears throat> yeah there you go eh there you go so we'll see so in in, in conclusion Revlon it's a buy Go out and buy it, guys. Yeah. Go. Well, I'm just thinking if I'm like ever the, the CEO of a public company and, you know, uh, the business is not looking great, I'm going to be like, is there any way I can push us closer to bankruptcy? Because I know that if I do that, yeah. if we hit bankruptcy, then surely our stock is going to skyrocket. Yeah. You want to go rock bottom and then <laughs> rise back up. That's, and then just like yeah. put a, an obscure post on Wall Street Bets yeah. saying, hey, guys, have you seen this company? It's in Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of put yeah. the yeah feelings have out Have you there. seen new money? It's gone bankrupt. Mm. Um, definitely do not buy. Yeah. Potent- oh, my God. Potent- my stock's yeah. up a thousand million percent. Yeah. Looking at buying a gold mine. That's That, that one works. <laughs> yeah. Something completely random. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's weird. Yeah, it's a weird story. Can't say it's a company I um I've been following closely over the past few years. But uh, <laughs> there you go. Another <laughs> lipstick falls out of your jacket pocket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah. There you go. Right. Uh, what should we talk about next? Uh, should, oh, we got to talk about. Um, I want to talk about uh, mortgage applications. Mortgages. What's going yeah. on with mortgages? Because we we saw zero point seven five percent interest rate hike, mm. right? We did. So, uh, as a response to that, it says here mortgage applications uh, to purchase a home rose eight percent last week. What? Yeah. Where they rose. I know. Yeah, they rose. Wow. I'll, t- I'll, I'll get to it. It rose 8% last week compared with the previous week, bolstered in part by demand for adjustable rate mortgages, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association's Seasonally Adjusted Index. Applications were, however, 10% lower than they were in the same uh, week. Uh, yeah, in the same week one year ago. <clears throat> right, okay. And this is, yeah, it seems counterintuitive, right? Because we got the massive raised by the Fed. It's like home loans are now soul-crushingly more expensive. Mm. Um, but it's one of those weird things in economics where sometimes that if, if, if people see that action and they think more rates are going to rise, then they will move. If they're on the fence and they know they want to get a mortgage, they will move despite having interest rates go up 0.75% on them just last week. Mm. They will move to lock one in before it gets worse. Mm. Um, it says here, mortgage rates surged the highest level since 2008 while making their biggest one-week jump uh, last week in 13 years. 
so very interesting. Meanwhile, the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed rate mortgages uh, with conforming loan balances, six, 647200 or less, increased to 5.98% from 5.63%. With points rising to uh, with points rising to zero point seven seven from zero point seven one, including the origination fee. Uh, this is out of my depth. Do you, do you know what this stuff means? I don't know. No, <laughs> no. For loans with a twenty percent down payment, mortgage jargon. Rates yeah. are now nearly double what they were one year ago. So- Quote: uh, Purchase applications increased for the second straight week, driven mainly by conventional applications, uh, and the adjustable rate mortgage share of applications jumped back to over ten percent. Wrote Joel Kahn, an MBA economist. Quote: The average loan size at just over four hundred twenty thousand is well below its four hundred sixty thousand dollar peak earlier this year, and is potentially a sign that home price growth is moderating. Right. Okay. Yeah, I guess that does make go. sense that people would want to jump to lock in rates, long-term fixed rates, especially in the US how you can have 10, 20 or 30-year fixed mortgages, which is still mind-blowing to me that that's even possible. Um, whereas <laughs> here in Australia, I think the longest you can get is like five years, if that even. Usually it's like two or four years you'll get a fixed rate for on a 30-year mortgage. So I guess it does make sense that in the initial in the initial couple of interest rate increases that you would have people refinancing their house, get a better mortgage on top of it, maybe fix their mortgage instead of uh, from the, the, the previously variable one that they had. Um, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Interesting. And there you go. Like 30 year fixed rate mortgages now, like we're, we're looking at our two year or three year fixed uh, fixed rates and they're like 3% or I don't know what they are right now. But when I was looking earlier in the year, it was like uh, 3%, just over 3%. And this this is like, okay, you can fix it for 30 years, but it's still going to cost you like 6%. Yeah. And I, so, I guess that gives you an indication of where people think that rates or where the banks think that rates will go over the long term, right? If they're willing to lock in for a 6% rate fixed rate, then they're probably not anticipating that rates will go much higher than than 6%. Mm. Um, so that gives you an interesting kind of perspective on, on where the banks are happy to loan out and what rate they're willing to accept. Yeah, so very interesting. A uh, bit of a counterintuitive story, a bit of a short one, but uh, yeah. Mortgage applications are going up. Yeah, it will be. So it go. will be curious to see what happens with housing because this will be a dramatic shift in in interest rates. Um, one that hasn't been seen before, particularly in Australia, um, with the uh, and how much our prices have surged in some of the major cities. So it'll be interesting to to see what does happen. Um, whether mm. there is a decline in the market, whether it just slows down and has a period where there's limited growth. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, the article also noted, I didn't write it down here. The article also noted that uh, inventory is up. That's what I've heard from every real estate agent over the past forever is that inventory is really, really low. Right. There's just not much popping up. And they're saying that since, uh, it makes sense, since uh, rates have been going up, that they've gotten more and more inventory. So it seems like some people are, are opting out of their homes yeah. uh, with mortgage, with um, interest rates going up. Mm. There you go. Yeah, I yeah, interesting. I, I am interested in property, but I don't know very much about it. Only the basics. 
as you can probably tell. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had. Uh, I, I envy people who know how to do like carpentry or to do renovations on a house. That's something I, I, I that'd be so. Cool. I don't know how to use like a hammer to like put in a nail on a picture frame. So <laughs> that's where I stand. I'd love but to. I'd I, love to flip houses or something. That's, that'd be. That's what fun. I mean. I mean, if you have those yeah. skills, then being able to find houses that just need cosmetic. Um, fix-ups so new carpet maybe rip the wallpaper off and paint the walls white or do the bathroom yeah. fix the cabinets in the bathroom or whatever it is just cosmetic stuff uh, where the bones of the house are really good you can get a lot of value out of buying those houses doing that work yourself or hiring someone to do that work and then getting it refinanced that seems to be a great place for for someone who has those skills um mm. to, to be but that's yeah it's not me I, i'd need to <laughs> i wish i had those skills Yes, I do not have those <clears throat> skills either. I'm not very handy. No. Um, all right. Should How we, um, far? We, we we better talk about it. We decided we've got a couple of stories about inflation, but because we've spoken about inflation just so much, we thought that we'd do the other stories first, the more interesting stories first. Yeah. But now we have come to that point in the show where we cannot avoid it. This is where we ruin <laughs> your morning once again. This, so. Yeah, once again. Yeah. So Hamish... Um, UK inflation data was released. Yes, it was. The US 8.6 Correct. annual. Yep. And what's, uh, what's the UK? UK came in at a nice rosy 9.1%. It's a 40-year high for the UK. Uh, so big, big increase. Uh, it was actually not up that much from the pre- previous month. The previous month was already 9%. So um, I think you remember a couple of weeks ago, we showed you the... Uh, the, the chart for UK inflation, how it was just a hockey stick, just a straight oh, line yes. up. Um, so they had a massive increase last month. This month continued to be very, very strong, but wasn't a huge month over month uh, difference. Uh, but 9.1, uh, highest since 1982. So uh, sticking with the, sticking with the trend of uh, of uh, many of these countries, the US, Australia, hitting, forty year, yeah, forty year, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> forty year high, yeah, yeah, record forty year high, record forty year high, record for we still can't get over that. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing well, is, if we get a little bit higher, it won't just be the highest in like fifty years. It'll be like the highest in a hundred years because the peak. The really high period was in the seventies, right? So if they get, if we get over the top of that, it's not just going to be the highest. The record just goes, yeah. The record brrr. goes like to the beginning of like whenever we started recording inflation, <laughs> highest in two hundred years or whatever it'll be. It will be something like that. Highest um, in eighty five BC. Yeah, yeah. Highest since um, yeah, Jesus came out of the cave. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, anyway, um, oh, so also UK has recorded the highest uh, the highest inflation among the G7 wealthy nations. So US, Canada, Germany, I don't know, a <laughs> bunch of other countries. Was, yeah. You see, you cracked me up for Jesus coming out of the cave. Sorry. <laughs> you cracked me up. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Composure. <laughs> um, so yeah, UK is not doing too, uh, too red hot. And it's actually worse if you look on the supply side. Um, which is something I haven't really looked at for the US before too much, but um, producer price inflation, which is kind of wholesale prices, the businesses are seeing before they pass it on to the customer or, or decide what they're going to do. The inflation in the UK is 15.7% on the wholesale prices. So businesses are getting absolutely destroyed and it's just a matter of 
well, at the moment they're passing most of that on to customers. 9% is going through on the consumer side, but will more of that be coming through, right? Um, that's the that's the, the concern at the moment. Experts in the UK believe that because wholesale prices are up 16% uh, for the year that uh, it's likely m- there'll be more price increases passed on to consumers in the coming months and that UK inflation has not yet peaked. So we, ne- we never try and make predictions about what short-term inflation is going to do at all or what inflation is going to do at all anyway. So, um, but that just gives you kind of a, an interesting perspective of businesses are really feeling the pinch and uh, they're actually not even passing it all on to the customer, um, which, is, which is fascinating. That 15.7% wholesale inflation is the highest since 1977. Uh, so, that's even, that's even bigger. If you look at it like that, what's that? 45 years um, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, in terms of what was driving UK inflation, food and non-alcoholic beverage was the category that saw the biggest increases, which has, again, been very, very similar across uh, different nations. We've seen energy be a big contributor, which continued to be a contributor in the UK, and then food, just also as a result of right. transportation costs being driven by increases in energy. Um, but some of the biggest increases were ham was up uh, 27%, milk 24%, salmon 22%, and tomatoes 21%. So um, there you go. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very interesting to see. Um, yeah. I feel like I would have just picked, like, I don't know, because it's the UK, I would have picked, like, oil and gas to be the drivers, right? Yeah. But I, I didn't I specifically not. see what. Could they contributed. They did continue to contribute a large um, piece. The article mentioned them, but they didn't mention yeah. the percentage increase. Um, but yeah, food's been a been a big driver as well. So there you there go. You, go. Mm. you got to just uh, everyone ham and salmon just in moderation. Just lay Come off. On. Yeah, yeah. There's enough to go around. We just all got to, you know, just nibble, <laughs> pass it along. You know, you don't need two slices of ham for your sandwich. Just no, go with one. Just one. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Just lay off the yep. tomatoes. Have a cucumber. Don't put milk in your cereal. Just eat it dry. Dry <laughs> wheat bix Yeah. Just for a couple months, you know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay, cool. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Do we have anything else? The su- yeah. Yeah. On, on the subject of in- inflation, we were, t- we were talking about US inflation last week. Mm. Um, Jerome Powell has um, spoken to Congress um, about what's going on, what he's going to do about this inflation. What does it say here? Powell tells Congress that the Fed is strongly committed to resolving inflation. Well, you hope they would be. <laughs> You hope you hope they would be <laughs> eight point six percent. He comes out and says, "Yeah, we're actually not that concerned about inflation." <laughs> I don't think he'd have his job for very long, no. for very much longer, if he if he so. said something like that. Um, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell told congressional lawmakers on Wednesday that the central bank is determined to bring down inflation and has the ability to make that happen. I'm glad he realizes what he's there to do, and I'm glad he realizes that he does access yeah. the path ways to yeah. lower it we, we are waiting jerome <laughs> we've been waiting for 18 months now been, yep. been, been sitting here watching it rise now's <laughs> yeah. the time chop now's chop the time buddy 
He says, quote, at the Fed, we understand the hardship high inflation is causing. We are strongly committed to bringing inflation back down and we are moving expeditiously to do so, the Fed chief said in remarks for the Senate Banking Committee, quote, we have both the tools we need and the resolve it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. Along with expressing uh, resolve on inflation, Powell said economic conditions are generally favourable with a strong labour market and persistently high demand. But here we go. Senator Elizabeth Warren, of all people, warned Powell, uh, warned Powell that the continued rate hikes could tip this economy into recession without stopping inflation. Quote, you know what's worse than high inflation and low unemployment is high inflation and a recession with millions of people out of work. Okay. And I hope you'll reconsider that before you drive the economy off a cliff. And what would be the alternative method of getting uh, inflation under control then, Senator Warren? I'd love to hear. I mean, that is true. It certainly, I think, is a real possibility that they raise interest rates considerably, the economy goes into recession and inflation is, they haven't done enough to stop inflation. That's a real possibility. But I don't, what's the alternative? Lower interest rates? Just forget about inflation? Yeah. We'll just. The thing that annoys me about this clip. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of of Elizabeth Warren, but what 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 annoys me about about this is that it's clear that she's just like sound. She's trying to just sound bite herself to, to look Good, you know, yeah. she's she's for the people kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because firstly, like, for example, her phrasing, uh, you know, could put millions of people out of work. If we're talking, if we're speaking, you know, if we're speaking about unemployment, you've got to talk in percentages because you could have millions of people out of work in the US and you could have a an unemployment rate of 0.6%. <laughs> Yeah, that's, if you that's had a good two point. million people out of out of work in the US, that would be millions of people unemployed, and that would be a zero point six percent unemployment rate. Yeah, yeah, which would be like the best ever. <laughs> yeah. That's um, actually a really good point. Yeah, when, you, when, yeah. You, when you're talking about a whole country, yeah, it's easier to be like billions or trillions or yeah, millions exactly. of people. It's it's easy to talk in these big numbers, and then you kind of have to put it into context of what we're talking about. Um, mm. so, yeah. And th- th- so that's the first thing that, that got on my nerves about how she phrased it. And then the second thing is what you alluded to just before is just how she knows fully well that you have to squeeze, everybody gets squeezed to bring inflation down. Nobody yeah. gets out of it unscathed. Businesses suffer when they raise rates. Citizens suffer. Citizens get squeezed when inflation goes up and the Fed has to raise rates. Yeah. But the alternative, she's, so she's just saying, oh, well, make sure you don't go raising rates and, and cause a recession and make the consumers have to suffer because of it. But it's like, okay, like I wish Jerome Powell like went back at her and said like, okay, if we didn't do that, then you just want, you know, we're just going to cop inflation. You just want inflation to keep going. You like, do you, would you like prices of everything to get 10% more expensive every single year. Would you like that? Yeah. I mean, because that's screwing everybody a lot harder. (laughs) Yeah. And the longer that inflation persists, the more people start to be concerned about price increases, thus making large purchases to get them- It's a positive- Yeah. It's a a positive feedback loop. It's like a flywheel uh, where it can spiral out of control very, very quickly. I mean, it's there's no shortage of examples of hyperinflation where- Yeah. uh, 
where the central bank of a country just doesn't actually believe that interest rates is the way to solve inflation. This is the problem in Turkey at the moment. The government is completely against the raising of interest rates in order to get inflation under control. It's why they have 60% inflation. They just don't believe Mm. in that type of economic policy, even though there's a lot of examples across history where it works very, very effectively. The, Mm. The problem is the consequence of it in the short term is devastating, especially the longer that inflation runs. So it gets more difficult to enact that kind of policy. You can imagine if you're in Turkey and you have 60% inflation, what kind of interest rate is going to be necessary to get that under control? Uh, It's going to be devastating for businesses. Um, Mm. That's why they need to get on top of it as soon as possible and prevent what happened in the 70s, which was inflation went insanely high and interest rates also had to go insanely high. Uh, if we can prevent that, that would be wonderful. But yeah, there's no, there's no other way out of this. I don't think, um, at least one that we, we know of. So yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta raise rates. You gotta get inflation under control. Like for, this is the most extreme example, but it's still an example in Zimbabwe during the years of, um, what was his name? I have no idea. Mugabe, Mugabe. Was it Mugabe? I think so. Anyway, um, when just hyperinflation was just running absolutely rampant, store owners in Zimbabwe would raise their prices three times a day, not because of any official figures, but because they anticipated inflation would be so much today. Mm. So you would have like a morning price, an afternoon price, an evening price. Yeah, that's Not crazy. because of any any numbers that were being fed to them, just because they knew that inflation was happening. So they it was in their head, that, you know, oh, we better just keep going and raising prices. And this was just happening and happening and happening. So yeah, you just want to nip it in the bud. You just want to get it under control. But anyway, um, what else did I have to say about this? Uh, what did Jerome Powell say to Elizabeth Warren um, after she said? Yeah, after she said you, uh, you uh, what did she say? You know, what's worse than high inflation, low unemployment? It's high high inflation and a recession with millions of people out of work. And I hope you reconsider before you drive the economy off the cliff. That's what she said. Yeah. Sorry, I got my right place in the Google Doc. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then to that, he said, it's certainly a possibility. It is not our intended outcome at all, but it's certainly a possibility. And frankly, the events of the past few months around the world have made it uh, more difficult for us to achieve what we want, which is 2% inflation and still a strong labor market. Yeah. Uh, achieving a, quote, soft landing in which policy tightens without severe economic circumstances such as a recession will be difficult, Jerome Powell added. There you go. Quote, over the coming months, we'll be looking for compelling evidence that inflation is moving down consistent with inflation returning to 2% power set. Quote, we anticipate that ongoing rate increases will be appropriate. The pace of those changes will continue to depend on the incoming data and the evolving outlook for the economy. Yeah. There was a comment on the last week's podcast. Um, I was talking about last week how they kind of have to do incremental increases in interest rates. They can't just go and do a massive increase. And someone was asking why Why is that the case? Why, why can't they just do a massive increase? And the truth is they can and they have before done significant increases. It's just very, very painful. And it it's I think it's much better for people generally if there's incremental increases that happen as soon as the problem starts to appear. Because you can imagine if mortgage rates are at 3% 
or 4%, let's say, uh, and interest rates right now are at 1%. Imagine they jack interest rates to 5% just all of a sudden. Uh, that's a 4% increase. You're talking about a mortgage maybe going from 4% to 8%. That's a, that's a double in a mortgage. Maybe yeah. even it might even do more than that. Um, and for to do that to a lot of households is would put a lot of people immediately unable to pay their bills just immediately. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's it it's preferable. Even though I think if you just had a long term view and you didn't care about <laughs> the people in the economy, jacking up interest rates as high as possible and just getting the ripping the band aid off would work i think long term the short term co- you have to balance it with the short term consequence there is a balancing game to be played here um yeah. it's a difficult balancing game that is impossible to get right that's why the fed has been so slow to move um because they were just hoping that inflation would go away and they wouldn't have to hurt anybody with interest rate increases now we know that that's not the case and it's a it's a balancing act of being quick enough to get inflation under control but not being too quick that you hurt too many people in the process. Yeah, because we have to remember that, like, we're we're all switched onto this because we're like we're interested in this stuff. But there are a lot of people out there that the first time that they they even get a hint that there's been a raise in interest. First of all, there'd be people that'd be like, raise in interest? I don't know what that means. Yeah. And the people, there'd be people out there that the first they'd hear of it is when they notice that they have to start paying more money each month to to service their mortgage. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't be switching on CNBC or, or whatever the various news outlets are around the world, the financial news of, of, of various kinds. They'd just be, oh, Hey, 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 Frank. Yeah, we we have to pay more. This what what's with that? I don't get that. You know. So yeah, yeah. If if they woke up one day, open that letter, and be like, oh, we have to pay like a lot more, like yeah. soul crushingly more, yeah. then that would be a bit of a disaster yeah. for a lot of people. Mortgage doubles, and then maybe one of the people in the household, the business they work for. Their debt doubles, the business, and the business goes out of business. So they, that person loses their job. So it's not just the effect of mortgage; it's the effect it goes through the many businesses, the tens of thousands of businesses yep. that would just go out of business immediately because they're on the brink of, of just being able to finance themselves. And the the yep. ripple effect of uh, that that has as well. It, large interest rate increases are sometimes necessary, but they're not to be taken lightly at all. There, there's a severe impact that. That it, that it pushes across the economy. Mm. Um, and at the same time, these poor people's, um, um, not poor people, but these unfortunate people's, yeah. uh, uh, you know, fuel costs are going up yeah. and their grocery and- bills are going up, their energy costs are going up and it's just all, yeah. If yeah. it happens too quickly, then it's just like, you know, yeah. people, are, people are wrecked. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it, look, it's it's why I think it's unfortunate that as soon as inflation is just even for a few months above the 2% target, it's unfortunate that there wasn't an immediate idea of, okay, let's just start winding back this easy monetary policy right now. And if, and if we start winding it back like they did in 2019 and uh, inflation falls off a cliff, then they can stop and they can balance it out again. I don't. I just very much disliked how they waited until it was at seven percent before they even started stopping printing money and buying financial assets. Seven percent uh, mm. is where they decided. Okay, we'll start to we'll start to reel it in, and it was at eight over eight percent before they did the first interest rate increase. Um, that to yep. me is 
is well, it's it's. I think it's too slow. Um, if there's one thing that I've learned is that if things, and this is just like general life thing that I've learned, if things start going wrong, nip it in the bud, get on top of it immediately. Yeah. If something happens where you're like, oh no, that's not right, nip it in the bud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can be applied to everyday situations or to Federal Reserve interest rate policy. Yeah. You know. Anyway, <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, all right, is that should, enough on that? Yeah, yeah. Should we? Uh, should we do some Q and A? I think we've got. Uh, you got a few minutes left. We, we got a few minutes left here, so we, we can. Uh, I reckon we, we'll get a couple of these uh, questions out. We haven't. Uh, we haven't spent like a long time doing Q and A okay. in a little while. So let's. Uh, let, let's. All let's, right. Cool. Let's punch a couple of these out. Uh, where have we got? Uh, Whatever you want. We'll start. Okay. We'll, we'll get through this first one. I don't know if you've seen this. This question is about a a documentary. I think called uh, Money for Nothing. Have you seen that? Um. No. Okay. We can't answer this question. Then. <laughs> oh really? Uh, yeah. This this question. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I'll, I'll read it out anyway. Um. Hi guys. Really enjoy listening to the podcast. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you. Um. We we appreciate that. Yeah. Um. And the question was yeah, just uh to get your get our thoughts on money for nothing inside the Federal Reserve. I haven't even heard of that documentary. We'll have to. No, um, I haven't either. Money for nothing. Oh, wasn't typing money for nothing. Oh, dire straits, money for nothing. No, <laughs> uh, no, I have to. I have to look that up at some point. I, I, I'm keen to give it a watch, though. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll, uh, we'll give that a watch. We'll do our homework and then we'll we'll circle back and we'll <laughs> we'll give you some feedback. Um, Federal I, Reserve. I am always interested in finding uh, finance, stock market, investing related documentaries or, yeah, or movies. They're always they're always fun to to watch. Yeah. So we'll have to. Um, yeah, or out. even like um, when when things in finance go wrong, mm. and like or scandals happen, it's like, oh, how the hell were they able to do that? You know, get away with this, or how did that collapse? I mean, how you know? Yeah. That's why I love The Big Short so much because I it taught me a lot about the 08 financial crisis. I just had no idea really, um, like how it how it happened. I didn't know what mortgage backed securities were, and you know, you watch that movie and it's like, oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah. How did this happen? You know. Yeah. Um. All right. All right. Um, Sorry, we can't answer that question, but we'll get on it. I'll watch that. Um. Hey, lads. When doing your due diligence on the executive teams of a business, how do you go about assessing their performance at prior companies, and what are the green or red flags you look for? Yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. Um, it, it can be pretty difficult a lot of the time, especially if they're if they're at a private company. Yeah. prior to it. It's, it's very difficult. But if they've had a long stint at the top, so, you know, CEO, CFO, COO at a public company, um, then you can. You can look at the how the public company performed. Um, but again, if they're not right at the top of the executive team, then it, it's going to be um, difficult to kind of yeah. see what their specific impact was within the business. Um, but I'm generally just looking for, in terms of green flags, I'm if, if there it is a public company and they were the CEO... I'm just looking at usually old presentations to see uh, if they made projections and goals and how they went about achieving those things, listening to the conference calls to see how they navigated through problems, if they were um, being honest with the shareholders and, and that sort of thing. In terms of red flags, mostly I will just be looking for any old news articles in relation to the management team. So this this goes for whether they worked at a previous company or not. Um, I'll just do some research on the CEO and see if there's anything 
particularly if there's any patterns of, of um, potentially fraudulent behavior or, or, or anything yep. in, in relation to that. Um, just to give you an example, National Beverage Company or Corporation, which uh, uh, owns the um, LaCroix brand, very popular um, seltzer drink, non-alcoholic seltzer drink. Uh, the founder of the company, which owns, I think, about 80% of the company, there was a number of articles uh, that where former employees had suggested that he was committing fraud. There's been no evidence so far that he was and he probably isn't. But even just them being multiple employees who said the same thing made mm. me hesitant about the business. I wouldn't maybe call it a red flag, but a yellow or orange yeah. flag that made me think, oh, maybe I'm not so keen on this company. So, yeah, yeah. that's just an example. Yeah, I, I think I think that when it comes to their prior performance, you just got to do the best you can with the information you can source um, because you're right, a lot of the times, unless it's a public company and you can look up the – and they were the CEO of another public company, you can just look at the financial results. You can look at how, how they manage their debt. You can look at what their return on investor capital was over that period of time where they were at the helm. Um that that stuff is 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 all there for you, but yeah, I think I think this is not this is like one of those things where it's definitely on the checklist that you should check their background, but it's not. Sometimes you don't get just a lovely <laughs> ten page document of, and then they did this in response to that, and the outcome was this, and they raised revenues by this amount. Yeah. You just don't get it. I think you've just got to try and give yourself uh, just read and just give yourself as much context as possible. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, sometimes you, you can just take it, you can just make things pretty simple for yourself. If they were like the CEO of a private company mm. and they founded or they were early on in this company and, you know, the company was really nothing. And then wh- when they left it, the company was being talked about in the media a lot and was a big company that was still private. And it's like, okay, they've probably done a pretty good job over time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can- <laughs> so it's just like using intuition as well. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. All right. Um, do we have time for one more? Should we squeeze one more in? This is an interesting yeah, question. Uh, I'll ask this to you. Uh, I think we live in a great era where we've gotten people like Elon and Bezos who, for better or for worse, are genuinely trying to bring ideas to life which may benefit humanity. If you found yourself in a position where the young investors became bigger than Kanye and made squillions, what would be your passion project? Oh, I don't know. I, I would kind of like... I would kind of like to keep doing what we do. I think yeah. if I had much more resources, I would try and turn um, – because we're like in finance media kind of thing. I would just try and clean up finance media, I think, as yeah. kind of like a that, – that's like a small idea. I would just try and keep it very factual, not sensationalist, um, yeah. not like, you know, having – one day tickers roll across the bottom of the screen like some addict trying to look for the next <laughs> hit, like, oh, Ford's up 1%. Oh, Salesforce yeah. is down, you know. Um, I think I'll just try and clean it up and make it, if we were able to create a big finance media company, I think I'll just try and and make it really Warren Buffett-style long-term investing, which probably, you know, wouldn't, 
generate a whole great deal of revenue because you want to be like, the stock market is crashing, run for your life. Ray Dalio says that the world's going to explode tomorrow or something like that. But, you know, I think if, yeah. if I could do it, if, 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 we, if it could be a passion project, I would try and clean that up. Yeah. If I was thinking bigger, I'd probably do something in like renewable energy or something, try and... I like solar and wind and, you know, renewable forms of power. So, I think I'd do something in that area if I had a lot of money. But Yeah. I mean, in in the finance space, I, I do get really excited about the idea of just guiding people away from just wrong paths that are obviously wrong to someone who's been in the space for a little while and just getting people a little bit closer to making smart long-term investment decisions. Outside of finance, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Have to maybe maybe I'll get some inspiration at that point in at some point in the future, um, mm. but I don't know. It's hard to. I I definitely don't like. I don't want to go to Mars. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, fair enough. But yeah, not sure. You you run a uh, an exotic. No, you run a Porsche for rent service, and you'll have all of the top. Porsches in your showroom. I don't know if that benefits humanity. <laughs> hey, it's a form of entertainment. <laughs> Everybody needs to drive f- fun cars. Yeah. Because you, you like Porsches, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go. Yeah, I'll try and get every single person a Porsche. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do that, that'd be, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's what I want to solve. Not world hunger or... Or any of yep. these diseases. I want to solve world lack of Porsche. Yeah. Everyone can get from point A to point B very quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, that was Hamish's contribution to society. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. All right. And he completely ruined Porsche's name because now everyone's got one it, and the exactly. luxury is gone. No one cares anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now we're babbling. Should we wrap it up? Wrap it up. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. As always, if you have more questions, feel free to head over to the YouTube version uh, of the podcast if you're not already here and uh, leave your questions as comments below the video and we just grab all of your questions and try and get to a couple of them uh, each week at the end of the podcast. But hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Thanks to ShareSite for sponsoring. As always, ShareSite.com forward slash young investors. Sign up to a free plan, track up to 10 holdings. Thanks, Brandon, for joining me as always. No worries. And we'll be back next week. So have a good rest of your weekend, guys. See you later. Goodbye.